Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to be reading two verses out of St. John's Gospel, Chapter 4. You can take your Bible and turn there if you want to. These verses will be on the screen. Follow along as I read out loud. In John 4, 23, Jesus is talking and he said, But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Worship. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for each person who's come here today. And I pray that you would speak to us now by your spirit from your word. God, I pray that you'd anoint me to say things that would honor you. God, I pray you'd give us supernatural ability to hear from you today, to concentrate, to focus on what you have to say to us. Be our teachers, my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So I mentioned Labor Day a minute ago. Just because some people love decorum, happy Labor Day weekend, if that's even a thing. Uh, It's a thing for some people because you don't have to go to work tomorrow. It's a thing for some people because they don't have to go to school tomorrow. Uh, Is school off tomorrow? Anybody know? Oh, man, I just hate that for you single parents. That is just like, how are they going to put them home like that? They they ought to at least open them up for breakfast and lunch, you know, playtime. Go have the gym to yourself. But Labor Day, for those of you who don't know, is is viewed by many as the unofficial end of summer. And that's just a code for go to the beach one last time on Sunday before Labor Day so you can skip church and get your beach in. I'm going to tell you, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. This, ha- having grown up in this city, this has been the mildest summer in my lifetime. This has got to be the mildest summer. I don't care what the weatherman says. I know what it feels like outside. This has got to be the mildest summer on Jacksonville's history. We haven't had, I, I haven't seen any. We normally have 99, 99, 99. Are you seeing the theme yet? 99, 98-degree day, days in a row. Uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't noticed how moderate it's been, you weren't outside last night. Um, you, you didn't pay attention when you, well, you, you probably didn't leave your house as early as I left mine this morning. But the summer is unofficially over. Obviously, fall doesn't start until around the 21st of this month. But the seasons are changing. And Labor Day unofficially represents that to all you fashionistas. Here, here, here you go, uh, Sister Nancy. You know, it's the last day you can wear white. Oh, that's why you wore it? You get it? Oh. <laughs> Is that why you wore white, Wayne? Because <laughs> getting your white in before. Listen, let folk tell you what color you can wear. You want to wear white next Sunday? I, I dare somebody to wear white next Sunday and, 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 and have, have Nancy Rich tell me, you know, it's after Labor Day. You shouldn't be wearing that white. <laughs> ah, but here's the crazy thing. 
This country invented this holiday called Labor Day. Are you ready? To celebrate labor. Now, let me give you a second to get your mind around that because I know that'll make sense to, to a lot of people in the room. To celebrate working. To celebrate jobs. And now we got people trying to figure out how in the world they can stay home and ride it out on the government's dollar. I, I guess we're going to have to do away with when, when all of us, my age and around my age, when, when we've gone on to heaven, they may as well do away with Labor Day. They ought to just replace Labor Day with sitting out the house getting a check day. That's a different message for a different crowd, but it's Labor Day weekend, so you got to do what you got to do. But let, let's get into this. It's time to worship. We've been talking about, in 2021, this theme of it's time. And I want you to understand, the only time, why, why can I be sure that it's time right now? Because right now is the only time we have. Tomorrow's not promised and yesterday's gone. And you, too many people are still trying to live off their past blessings and their past faith. If I love what uh, Dr. Harold Hudson said at the Westside Baptist Church many years ago. He said that a backslider is not necessarily somebody who is out there drinking and whoring around. He said that's probably a lost person. He said a backslider is not somebody who is necessarily doing something that people uh, could point to. He said a backslider is somebody if, uh, who has experienced a time in their life uh, where they don't love God as much as they used to. He said if you've ever loved God, more than you love him right now, if you've ever served him, more than you've served him right now, if you've ever done more for him than you're doing for him right now, you've slidden back. And that's when you ought to say, ouch. Because if we went, if we started with Deacon West and worked all the way around the building, and, and we got to you, and we, well, first we'd have to lace you up with some sodium pentothal to get the truth out of you. You know how church folk are. A lie. By the time we get the truth out of you, and we came to you, and said, have you ever been more in love with God than you are right now? Have you ever prayed more than you pray right now? Have you ever read more Bible than you read right now? Have you ever served God more than you serve? Because here's the thing. I get to hear this all the time. And some of y'all are like, I'm not going to come back because he's talking about me. Well, if the shoe fits, chew on it. And I hear the stories all the time. Oh, pastor, I used to be really involved in ministry. I, I, used, I used to be the bookkeeper for my church. I used, to, I used to be the worship leader. I used to serve on the praise ministry. I used to be a Sunday school teacher. I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to, I used to. Jesus said to pray and ask God to give us this day our daily bread. Christianity is a this day religion. Jehovah is a right now God. And we've got people who used to do all this kind of stuff. But hear me good. It's time. It's time to be who God wants you to be. And it's time to do what you are ever going to do for God. If you ever wanted to be the man or woman God wants you to be, it's time. And one thing I know for sure, it's time to worship God. All over the world today, people are gathering together in churches to uh, have church. Some will worship and some will have church. And some will, will be there because they've got a drug problem. Y'all know that drug problem? Because mama drug them to church. Uh, that's the best drug problem to have. But you need to get more out of coming to the house of God on a Sunday morning than just having church. You need to make sure that you gather together 
to worship him. The concept of worship is not just in the Bible. It dominates the, the Bible. I want us to realize today how important worship is. But to understand how important something is, you have to know what it is that's important. And if I went around the room, if I started with Vicky and I worked all the way around the room back to Carol and I said, what is worship? Give me a quick working definition for worship. We'd get different ideas. We'd get different concepts. And some people we just get blank looks from. Uh, but I'm going to give you an easy, short, not all-encompassing, but a working definition of worship. It's adoration, love, and honor directed toward God. It's you loving God in a real way. It's, listen, it's a verb. It takes action. And some of y'all know where I'm going to go with this, but you got to hear it because pe people fall back into this. If I asked you right now, how do you worship God? Most people would say that they worship God in their heart. And, 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 and there's some capacity to that in worship, but worship is more than an intellectual experience. Worship is more than just something you do on the inside. It'd be like, if, because worship is a verb, look it up. If I told you that if you were talking about fishing, and I said, oh, fishing, I love fishing. I love fishing. And you said, oh, really? Well, what kind of fishing do you do? Salt water and fresh water? And I said, oh, you mean like touching bait and you know what? No, I fish in my heart. You would know he's off. Listen, if all you can say about your worship is you worship in your heart, you're off. Because worship is an internal process that requires an external response. And I want us to understand that worship is about loving God. It's about adoration, love, and honor directed to God. Jesus said the greatest commandment when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what worship is. And, and we got to understand, it just can't be something that we do in our minds. What did Jesus say? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is not just an internal deal. It's got to come out on the outside too. In Exodus 20, the Bible records for us the Ten Commandments. And I've talked to you a lot about hermeneutical principles over the years. We're a Bible church. Uh, we do a lot of teaching on the Bible. And hermeneutical principles, hermeneutics is the art and science of properly interpreting Scripture. And they're keys that can help you understand the Bible. And so I try to reveal these principles to you. And one of these principles that we look at a lot is the law of priority listing. And the law of priority listing says that whenever there's a list of things mentioned in the Bible, the one that's mentioned first is usually the dominant idea. And my great example for that is the 12 apostles. There's a list of the 12 apostles over and over and over in the Gospels. And every time that list is there, the first four are always the first four, and the last four are always the last four. Why? Because the first four are more prominent. It's like an ingredient label uh, on, on your food. They have a list. The first thing is most prominent. It's not always the case, but it's a good rule of thumb to follow. And, and having said that, in the Ten Commandments, the first two say that uh, you can have no other gods before me, and that you should not make a graven image and bow down and worship it. I want to tell you something. God is concerned with us worshiping him and only him. And he wants us to do it the right way. 
because there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. I remember when I went in the lawn business, um, I had people tell me, I, I was bivocational in the lawn business for many years. I'm still bivocational, uh, but I, I sold my last lawn business, and I had a lot of people tell me, well, I, anybody can cut their own grass. You can't cut your grass the way I can cut it for you. You can't edge your sidewalk and driveway the way I would edge it for you. You can't blow off your, the guy that I pay to cut my grass can't do it the way I do it for, for myself. And it, there's a technique, and I've taught my kids this, and you need to understand, there's a technique for everything. There's a white, right way and a wrong way for everything. Listen, if you just set that edger down in the crack and you drag it straight down your concrete, you're not edging as good as me. Because I set that blade in there, and I will kick the back piece of it out a little bit, so my gap will be twice as wide as your gap. Why, why does that matter? Because it's going to look like a better line of demarcation. And when, I, wish, I, I wish the company that cuts my grass was here today so they could hear this. When you blow off the driveway, if you blow all that grass and dirt back into the crack, you just drug, you got no crack. And everybody needs crack. Can't get that to every church in America right now. Write that down. You got to blow the crack out and leave a big, clean, wide ditch right there. You got to use sharp blades. I used to have customers come out and ask me all the time. My lawn man comes the same day you come every week. Why does their grass always look so much better than mine? I can just look at it, and I say, because they use dull blades. Well, how can you tell they use dull blades? Because if you use dull blades when you cut grass, it rips the grass and it doesn't cut the grass. And you can look at, the, at your grass after you cut it. If there's not a clean slice across the top of that blade, if it's jagged, if it's ripped, that will yellow and that will brown and make your whole yard look dingy from a distance. What am I saying? Number one, I'm an expert in, in cutting grass. Number two, I'm just too old to do it. Number two is there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. There's a technique to do everything. Y'all pray for Alex. He, uh, did you do any kicking this week? Didn't go great? You're hiding your face. Y'all pray for him. He, he, he's, he's on the football team. He's kicking. Listen, is there, there's a technique to it, right? You think all these old men in the room that think their leg is big and strong, you think they can walk up there and kick a 30-yard field goal? Just wouldn't happen. Every man in the room is like, I, know I can kick a 30-yard field goal. No, you can't. Not with 11 people rushing at you, you can't. Not when half of them are twice as tall as you and got their arms up. There's a technique and a right and a wrong way to do everything. Are you following me yet or do you need 12 more examples? Talk about cooking. But I'm going to let you understand. There is a right way and a wrong way. Coach Green in the back. Is there a right way and a wrong way to shoot a basketball? Right way and a wrong way to play defense? Right way and a wrong way for run a pick and roll? I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. And I said all that to say this, there's a right way, and there's a wrong way to love God and to worship Him. Well, I just think that I can love Him my way, wrong. Well, I just think that God's so desperate for love, He'll take whatever I throw at Him, wrong. Well, I just think that God ought to be grateful that I, that I give Him any attention, at wrong. God, God is not desperate for love. God is not desperate... Uh, for, for, he's not so desperate for worship that he'll accept it in the wrong way. Think about this. In, in, the, in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, there's 31 verses. How many verses? 31 verses for the entirety 
of telling us how God created everything. 31 verses describe the, the creation of the whole world. But in the first seven chapters of Leviticus, there's 243 verses directed specifically for how we should offer sacrifices unto God. And they are very specific. And anything that falls, listen, all of creation, God, God peeps us out 31 verses. How to offer sacrifice to him? 243. Can you understand there's 243 is bigger than 31? It's important. Uh, we talk about the law of priority listing. The first sacrifice, the first offering that God lists every time offerings are talked about is the burnt offering. The burnt offering is unique because it was the only offering that God's people offered that was not shared. The priest got none and the offerer got none. It was totally given to God and totally consumed by God. I want to tell you something. We got too many people trying to keep some of their worship, some of their offering, give God a little while holding on to a little themselves. That's not how God wants it. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. The burnt offering totally consumed by God. That's how God wants our lives to be. That's real worship. That's out of vogue in 2021. There used to be a time, maybe if you got some years on you now and you knew grandmama, there used to be a time where people really had God as the center of their life, where they really had God as the center of their home, where they really had God on their mind all the time. What did God say? He will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Right now, we, I, don't, I don't know how many people can truly say their mind is stayed on the Lord. Because you know what the score of the football game was yesterday. You still pulling from the hurricanes? Oh, no, you Florida State man. Uh, they they, they, they going to play eventually. Them hurricane fans, they, they thought they were going to rise up and beat Alabama. Come on now. Oh, there's my hurricane fan in the back. Loved so much, named his team after him. We are a culture that is not dominated by keeping our minds stayed on God. We, 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 listen, I'm so excited. I just learned this a couple years ago. Y'all, y'all stay with me. I mean, some of y'all just catching up to computers. I've been working on computers, writing code since the, uh, the mid eighties when people didn't even have computers in, in the army. Uh, you say peach cow. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but some of y'all ain't caught up to computers yet. Uh, so everybody's learning something. Here, here's the thing. I just recently learned in the last couple years what BOGO meant. I finally had the courage to ask somebody. I've, I've known my whole life. If you don't know, ask somebody, but uh, it just sounds ridiculous. What is BOGO? Now, listen, the sad reality is some people are obsessed with buy one, get one. Some people are obsessed. You know where every sale is. You know where the best place to buy everything is. You know what time your favorite TV show comes on. You know how to set your, your, your DVR to record your favorite TV show. You know what network your favorite show comes on and how you can binge watch it. But what do you know about God? There was a time where even in this country that people's lives were dominated by keeping God at the center of their life. Sad reality is that's not popular in today's world. We just want to we just want to do there's there's only 12 people in the room old enough to even remember this. How many people remember a little dabble do you? 
Y'all, you ain't old enough to remember that. <laughs> 25-year-old woman raised her hand. Uh, you know, it's a hair. Brill cream. A little, she's not 25, by the way. I just like messing with Deacon Cedric. Substantially young, but different message for a different time. Most people don't even remember that commercial, but they try to live their life like that unto God, where a little dab of God will do you. A little religion on the side will do you. God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, into this earth to live a perfect life, be rejected, mocked, spat on, beaten, stripped naked, and hung on a cross to die for our sins so that we could add a little Christianity in once or twice a week. Too many people treat God like he's the condiment now. Yes, let me get a little bit of that mustard. Let me get a little bit of that ketchup. Let me get a little bit of that mayonnaise. Listen, God is not a condiment for you to add to the side of your life. He's the main dish. He's the whole entree. He's the restaurant and everything around. And we got to get a higher view of God. We've got to get a higher view of who God is and how we are designed to Worship him. You got to understand, when, when the Bible talks about this offering, I told you the burnt offering is always first on the list because God demands, hear this good. And this is why most people won't go to a Bible teaching church. Most people won't go to a church that teaches the truth about the Bible because the truth about the Bible is difficult. Even in the Old Testament, they said, don't, don't tell us true things. Tell us smooth words. Make us feel good. Tell us words that, 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 that we, we like. And that's what you get at large churches. What you get at Bible teaching churches is stuff that sometimes make you say, ouch. Here's something to make you say, ouch. God is not interested in your part-time love affair with him. God's not so desperate for love that you, he can be your side thing. And if we had enough time and enough honesty in the room, most people who come to church today barely even make God their side thing. If you gave a little attention to your side things you give to God, they'd leave you. But you think God ought to be satisfied with a, with a little part-time love. That, that's not how it works. Deuteronomy 15, 21 says, If there be any blemish, Therein, as if it be lame or blind or have any blemish, thou shalt not sacrifice it unto the Lord thy God. Here's the deal. If you had, if we were farmers, if we were living in a, a, a farming time, an agricultural time where everyone had livestock, and you knew that a couple times a year you were going to have to give one of your sheep to the sacrifice altar of God and just have it and, and, let's, and get nothing in return. You, it wasn't like you were selling it to the church and they were buying it from you. You had to give it. How many of y'all know that there'd be a temptation to keep that best one, that money-producing one? When my dad was alive, uh, this was the funniest thing I ever heard. I thought it was totally ridiculous. I didn't really know him well, um, but I spent one summer with him when I was growing up. Uh, between ninth and 10th grade, and he had millions of dollars invested in, get ready, pigeon racing. A big old giant pigeon coop. He had, he had a pigeon that he paid over $400,000 for. I'm thinking, man, I could go to the park and throw a net over 20 of them. How much money can I get on this pigeon on scam? But they would put little, little, uh, 
little bands around their legs, drive them five, six hundred miles away, let them go, hit a time clock, uh, stamp them in, and he'd be staying in his yard when he knew it was time for his front runners to be back. And he'd be staying in his yard looking, and as soon as they came in, he'd snatch that band off it, stamp them in their special little pigeon club's uh, time clock, and say how fast the pigeon came back in. And I, and I remember when I was there, this pigeon was coming in. It was a second pigeon. He said it was as fast as one. He wasn't that day. Second pigeon coming in. And he hit a telephone wire right across his chest, sliced him up. I held that pigeon in my hand as he sewed that pigeon back up. And it, this was the $400,000 pigeon. And I'm thinking, well, that's a lot of money to pay for a pigeon. And everybody who has livestock, they have the ones that are more valuable. They, they have ones that they, they fee out for, for uh, stud, for reproducing. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. I know how folks' mind works. If we all, if every week you had to come up in here and bring one of your pigeons, one of, one of your goats, one of your lambs, do y'all know most people be trying to hold back their $400,000 pigeon? Most people be trying to hold back their best horse. That's the one that makes them the most money. Most people be trying to hold back their best, and they want to slide in. Hey, where's that retarded lamb at? Why always banging his head on? Yeah, get him. They're just going to kill him. I mean, they ain't going to give him a brain test. It ain't like they're going to, you know, check his IQ at the gate. But what did God say? No blemish. Don't bring me nothing lame. Don't bring me nothing blind. No blemish. You can't sacrifice that to God. What's God saying? He doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want second place. He doesn't want you to give to him. Listen, there's a great message there. I ain't going to harp on it, but I'm going to tell you this. If you pay more in taxes than you give to God, mm, some of y'all are like, I've never paid taxes. <laughs> You need to get a job, a real job. But God, too many people think, well, God ought to be glad. Some people won't even give God the tithe. They, they, I, I, it's so funny. Uh, Elder Jimmy's out of town. Uh, I, I, I wish he was here right now. He, one of the first conversations he and I had, uh, not early when he started coming here. How long y'all been here? 16, 17 years, something like that? Uh, when he first started coming, he, and, and he learned about the tithe. And he's like, well, I never heard about this tithe thing. I mean, I've heard about the tithe thing. He said, but, you know, I, I was somebody of note in my former church. Uh, he said, because they, they, they told me I was doing a good job giving because I had my tithe up to 3%. I said, let me tell you something, son. You can't tithe 3%. Uh, well, I don't know. There's a bank. Y'all don't put your money in Fifth Third Bank. They're retarded. Fifth Third. How many of y'all seen Fifth Third? That's not even a word. That's not even a mathematical equation. You don't do that. That's one and two-thirds bank. Fifth-third bank. Anyway, he said, I had my tithe up to three. I said, you can't tithe 3%. You had your giving up to 3%. Tithe means tenth. You can't tenth a third. It's either or. But he felt good about that. He felt like, oh, man, look at me. He got a congratulatory speech 
from their finance people. It's like, good job on that giving. Man, I felt like I was doing good at 3%. You're telling me I ain't started till 10? God said you must tithe. Jesus said that in Matthew 23. Um, we over here giving God blemish stuff. Well, how much can I afford to give God this week? Well, that, that's why you're worried about money. Because what did God say? You've robbed me. What do people say? Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. We, we, we're so busy thinking that God is lucky to have us. God's not lucky to have us. We're the ones lucky to have him. We, we, he, he, we, we got the better end of the deal. When you gave up all you were to receive all that Christ is, I'm going to tell you something. We got the better end of the deal. You need to understand that, and then it won't be hard for you uh, when it comes to sacrifice. First Chronicles 21, 24, great passage of Scripture. You should study this and learn it. King David said to Ornan, nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is... I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. God told David to build an altar and to offer him a sacrifice. He was out there in the middle of nowhere, found this dude named Ornan. He's like, look, God told him to build an altar. This dude's like, hey, I got, I got the threshing instruments. I got the place of ground. I even, got, I even got the animals for you. I got you. And David's like, okay, I'll pay you full price. He's like, no. He said, you're my king. None of that. Now, your money's no good here. David said, my money is good here because I'm not giving God something that costs me nothing. Oh, there's a lot of preaching to be done around that verse, but I, I, I'm going to let you ju just, just marinate on that. Understand this. Worship's not just important. Worship's everything. Worship's not just in the Bible. Worship dominates the Bible. Worship's not just a good idea. Jesus said it's the number one command. In, in our opening text, John 24 Jesus is talking to this woman at the well, and he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him. Oh, those three words right there, there's a lot of preaching to be done there. I'm not going to stay on it, but the Bible teaches that worship is a must. Say must. He said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in this way, two ways, in spirit and in truth. I want you to understand worship is spiritual, and worship is biblical. Worship is something that is done in the spirit realm and is something that is governed by truth. And in John 17, 17, Jesus told us that God's word is truth. You can't worship God in your own way. You can't worship God in a way that seems right to you. You can't have some special hookup with the big man upstairs. I already told you that's disrespectful. And I want to slap the microphone out of every celebrity's hand who gives shout outs and props to the big man upstairs. That is disrespectful. If you talk to your parents that way or your grandparents that way, you need to have the microphone slapped out of your hand. God must be worshipped both spiritually and biblically. Now, the sad reality in churches today, there is a chasm between spirit and truth. There is just this giant divide. The body of Christ used to be one. Then it started having denominations, and it fractured. Then you had this group of people that says, well, we just really like to study with pads in our lap and write down. We got people like that at Abundant Life. Um, 
And, you know, we, 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 we just like intellectual approach to God, and that, that, that's why people gravitate toward uh, denominations that cater to that crowd. Then you got other people like, well, we just want to buck and shout and run and get our sweat on. And so you got denominations that cater to that crowd. But what happened is the, the, the crowd that wants to do all of the demonstrative worship saw the deadness of the intellectual crowd, and so they took, they took their bucking and shouting to, to a whole different extreme, and the crowd that just wanted to do their intellectual approach to God, they saw the excess of people bucking and shouting, screaming and hollering and demonstrative worshiping God that couldn't quote five verses of Scripture, never led anybody to Christ, and didn't even pay tithes or give offerings, and so they ran further and further to their extremes. So now you've got a spirit crowd, and you got a truth crowd. You got a spirit crowd. Those are our uh, uh, more charismatic groups that they focus so heavy on worship, and worship is the right thing. They focus so heavy on demonstration of worship, and your worship ought to be demonstrative. That, that's the spirit crowd. And then you've got the truth crowd over here. They believe they possess all biblical truth, and uh, they're, they're the only five people going to heaven. You know, is, is, well, it's us four. There's a four, us four, and no more. And you've got this divide. Between the two of them. I love what one author said. He's talking about this divide between the spirit crowd and the truth crowd. And he said, if you only have the spirit, you'll blow up. If you only, if, if you only have the truth, you'll dry up. But if you have the spirit and the truth, you can grow up. And that's what we need. We, we, intellectual approach to God will cause you to be heady. Uh, just, oh, oh, just excessive demonstrative approach to God with no study of his word will, will, will cause you just to be wild. We, we don't need to dry up or to blow up. We need to grow up. There's an acceptable way to be worshiping God, and it's spiritual, and it's biblical. It's, this word acceptable, say acceptable. This word acceptable is throughout the Bible, and I want you to get it. If you don't get anything else, get this. Everything is not acceptable to God. There is a right way and a wrong way to do everything. Listen to me, young people. I'll just, I just put the hay down where the goats can get it. Just showing up to school is, is not all there is to going to school in your parents' mind. That's not acceptable. Well, I went. You went and you made six D's. Giving some of y'all the benefit of the doubt. Man, we got, we, we, we got a woman in the back of the room right now. She's got 942 kids. And they better all be making A's in school. What you think, mama? They, there is no substitute for that family. They have been, they, that's an A honor roll crowd, right? They better be on that. There ain't no A, B honor roll happening in that family. Ain't no occasional C happening in that family. A, a, a D, you, you better D on out of here with that. There, there is an acceptable way to do things. And here's, here's what America has done. They've dumbed God down so much. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in meeting in a strip mall. I'm not saying there's anything wrong in having your church in a warehouse. But I'm saying when you dumb God down so much because you don't want church to look like church, then you don't want God to look like God either. I'm preaching better than y'all staring at me. There's a, this, this concept of acceptability is found in every hierarchy. There's an acceptable way. Now, I love Deacon West much as I love anybody on the planet. He can't help his Navy. 
Can't help that. He made that decision early. 20 years in the Navy. And now over here, I, I got Diggy Cedric. Love him as much as anybody in the world. He just made a better choice. So he did 30 years Army. Was it a better choice? <laughs> I love all branches of the military. Uh, but listen, there's some. Now, my son, if my son was here right now, he'd just be cra- He crashes on the Army almost every day. Uh, the Marines is the only thing alive for him. And I thank everybody for praying for him. He arrived in Africa uh, safely this week, and, and he's now a full-fledged United States Embassy guard serving in Africa. So keep him in your prayer. He's convinced. He, see, now he, he wants to treat the Army the way I've been treating the Navy for the last 30 years because uh, I, I was in the Army. And look, I can tell you something. There are different standards of acceptability. You go to a parade field in the United States Army, you don't see a bunch of guys out there wearing ball caps of 300 different colors. First time I ever saw a Navy parade field, I almost fainted. They got on bell-bottom blue jeans? Out there wearing blue jeans on a parade field? They had a mixed match. looked like a bag of Skittles out there. If a helicopter flew over there, they wouldn't even know that was the military. They got a bunch of teenagers out there in ball caps. But there's acceptable standards in every, in every organization with a hierarchy, and there's nothing higher than God. God's got a level of acceptability that, that we need to understand. Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The fact that there is something that's acceptable, let me break out like we're on Wednesday night. Some of y'all need to start coming on Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, you learn, learn to fall in love with the word more. There, let, me, let me just talk to my Bible scholars from Abundant Life University Wednesday night crowd. And some of y'all have been around long enough to pick up on some truth. If there's an acceptable in God's mind, there's what? Look how smart y'all are. Some things are acceptable and some things are not. There's a way to, there's a way to have church acceptable. There's a way to live your life acceptable. There's a way to worship God that's acceptable. And there's an unacceptable way to do all those things. In Romans 14, 18, the Bible says, For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Philippians 4, 18 says, But I have all and abound. I'm full and having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul is on the ups right now. Paul understood what it was like to be broke. He understood what it was like to be rich. There were times in his ministry when he was on either end of that extreme. As he's writing to the church of Philippi, here he, he's saying, man, I just got that, that big bucket of cash y'all just sent me, and I, 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 I got everything. I have everything I need. I'm full. I, I received that gift that was sent from you, and it was an acceptable sacrifice. The, the, the one of the reasons why, and I'm not going to preach this verse to you today, but one of the reasons why it was acceptable is because they didn't just give their leftover. They gave out of their need. Remember the, the widow who just gave a couple pennies and everybody else? Listen, Jesus stood by the offering and watched them. And religious people would bring buckets full of change and pour it in, <laughs> rattling in. Uh, listen, if you're older than seven, stop putting change in the offering. Okay? Uh, well, they say there's a shortage on change. Folks still turn it in at church. He don't want our change. God don't want your change. 
God wants us to give. Now, if that's all you have, now let me just back up, make an addendum. If that's all you have, and that's, that's, that's digging into your, the Bible says she gave of her necessity. She took her bill money. and gave, Well, I just don't think that's wise. Uh, well, maybe it's not wise, but God commended her for it. There's an acceptable way to do everything, and God is watching how we give and how we live. And in 1 Timothy 2, 3, the Bible says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. This acceptable concept dominates both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want you to understand, your life will either be acceptable or unacceptable to God. And I, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so tired of hearing people say, well, I don't care even if I just get in by the skin of my teeth. I don't care if I've got a shack on the back road in heaven. As long as I, That is no way for someone to talk about the person that they love the most. If your husband told you, well, I don't care if my wife knows I love her or not. I don't care if she feels special or appreciated. I, as, as long as she lets me slide in the house every night before the sun comes up. Uh, that is not love. That is not acceptable. <laughs> Sonia said, no, he can't do that. He can't do that in Green Cove Springs. <laughs> He'd be in Alabama. <laughs> that is not an acceptable way to love a human being, much less the God we say we love more than anything. We got to exalt our view of God. We got to elevate our view of God. We got to get our lives in an acceptable way. Uh, hear, hear me good. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to confuse acceptable with perfect. Because there's no way to do anything perfectly in this life. None, none, none of us have perfect lives. None of us but Christ have perfect lives or perfect worship. Hear this good. You, you, you can worship God imperfectly, but you can't worship God insincerely. Do you hear me? Your, your worship doesn't have to be perfect but it has to be sincere. And, 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 and that should be true with what we're talking about in, in worship. We're talking about love. We're talking about adoration, love, and honor directed toward God. This is what worship is. And all of us have imperfections. But the sad reality is too many people coming to church giving insincere worship to God. We used to sing songs in the old church. That it used to make me look around and think, man, the lightning bolt's going to hit any time now. God's going to burn this whole place up and fire and brimstone ashes. Uh, uh, We're we going to have to be like Lot. We're going to have to run and not look back. People singing songs like, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Anybody remember that song? I'm thinking, this lunatic in front of me singing these words to God. And, it, and I was just religious and judgmental at that point in my life. I hadn't grown to realize that I ought to be checking out myself more than the person in front of me. But, man, do we really give our all to Jesus? Do we really surrender to him completely? He won't accept anything less. This insincere form of worship, this halfway singing to God during times where where we, we allow you to sing songs unto the one true God and people are clock watching and pe people are staring uh, around the room looking to see who's here. You need to be concerned with whether or not God is here. 
Not enough worship going on. Some, some people work hard for the Lord, but, but hear me good. God hasn't called us to be an army of workers who, who worship him. He's called us to be an army of worshipers who work for him. Did you hear me? Some people think, well, I, I, I serve the Lord. But do you love the Lord? I work hard. Nobody has been in the food and clothing ministry longer than me. Uh, okay. But do you love God? Do you worship him? Don't get your work and your worship messed up. Because if all we can show the world is how hard we work for God, they will not be impressed. If all we can show the world is how many rules we keep, they will not be impressed. But if we can show God, if we can show the world a true love for God, a true love for God and each other, they'll be running to the cross to find a life like that. Worship is your required response. Uh, we, we've received God's love. The, the Bible says that God showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says in the most famous Bible verse of them all, uh, popularized by, by culture, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We have received God's love. Shouldn't we give something back? I told you for decades, if, if God loved us enough to die for us, shouldn't we love him enough to live for him? Worship needs to come up higher in your life. Worship needs to come up higher. I, I, I want this church to honor God. I want my life to honor God. I want us to have an impact on this community for the Lord. But for that to happen, we've got to not just be an army full of people who are working for God. we got to be an army of people who are worshiping God that calls us to work for him. What, what, what is first in your life? Now, some of y'all, if you be honest, mm, I don't worship more love him. Just be glad I'm here. I might even put a dollar and a half in the plate. I already told you, keep that half. Unless it's your last. Unless it's a, unless it's a sacrifice for you. Well, one, one of the things, I might bring this out. Uh, people say, Pastor Scott, you keep preaching these messages on sacrifice. Nobody's going to be here. God's going to be here. God, God is going to be here. Uh, I might bring this out in a message sometime soon. But I'll, I'll give you the punchline ahead of time. When it comes to sacrifice... I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you deep revelation right now. A sacrifice must be a sacrifice. You get that? We bring the sacrifice of praise to the house of the... Boom -cha, boom -cha, boom -cha. Listen. <laughs> if it's not a sacrifice, if it's easy, it's not a sacrifice. If it's left over, it's not a sacrifice. If it costs you nothing, it's not a sacrifice. Well, I got up and came to church today. Yeah. Did you walk in the rain? Uphill in the snow both ways? Or did you drive? We ought to turn the air off. See how long folk will stay. Church, church uh, conferences teach all the time. Lights, sound, and air. It's so the three things that you can control humanly. Leave the rest up to God, but make sure you got perfect lighting, perfect sound, and perfect air. I don't see that in the Bible nowhere. I, I, I talked to, a, to a, uh, an apostle in the Ukraine. He was overseeing over 100 churches, and he said half his churches meet outside in the snow 
uh, in, in city parks and they stand through the service because the only thing to sit on are stone benches and they're covered in snow and too cold to sit on. Now, if we're knee deep in the snow, uh, that, that might be a way. We'll figure out how we can get less people here. Cut the AC off. <laughs> people are like, I ain't going to that church with no air. What if that's where God wants you to be? Well, I ain't going to that church with gravel parking lot. Well, you showed up. But what if that's where God wants you to be? I'm not mad at churches who have perfect lighting, perfect sound, and perfect air. I'm not mad at, even mad at churches who have nice parking lots. But if they're spending more money on their facilities than they're giving away to ministry, they're going to have to give an account to God for how they live that life. Because Jesus didn't live a life of stacking it up high when he was on this earth. He said he didn't even have a place to lay his head. But he was constantly blessing those around him all the time. we got to get a higher view of God, and we got to get a higher view of worship. First thing I want you to understand about worship, everybody worships something. Everybody worships. You are a worshiper. You just might not be worshiping the right thing. But everybody worships something. I've told you for years, uh, experts have said men uh, focus the majority of their time and energy on their careers, and women focus the majority of their time and energy on their relationships. Boil that down to what do they love the most. Men, men love success in their career the most, and women love their relationships the most. But which relationships? Well, of course, my grandbabies. You ain't never seen worship till you've seen a grandmama holding a grandbaby. I was asking my mother the other day, what kind of weird switch do y'all women have? You never loved me. I lived in that house. I was raised in that house. I never saw that type of affection. But there's something special about grandbabies. Listen, what do you worship? You worship something. Now, now, now I, I, you know I love that shirt because I'm a Boston Celtic fan. <laughs> you ain't even a Boston Celtic fan. You didn't wear that shirt for me. I know you did. He ain't no Boston Celtic fan, but when he was in Orlando, he, somebody told him where Doc Rivers' house was when Doc was coaching Orlando. He pulled up in Doc Rivers' driveway and knocked on the man's door. Wife came to the door. My pastor's a big fan. <laughs> well, Doc's not home, but he's just up the street. He'll be back in a minute. You're welcome to wait. What kind of millionaire street folk like that? Hey, I think he was getting that brother hook up. You was getting that black privilege, because if I'd have done that, they'd have called 911. <laughs> Y'all think I'm kidding. Me and Deacon West, we, we've gauged white and black privilege. We were walking through the airport one time. We were flying somewhere together, and I said, watch this. Walk behind me. Watch every black person walk by. I'm going to give them a head nod. I'll try up nod and a down nod. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I didn't get eye contact. I turned this way and looked every one of them. Up, my brother. Stay black. I think you had that privilege that day. He waited around. Doc Rivers. My pastor. Listen, you can be a fan of something without worshiping it. I ain't crashing on on, on Deacon West for for wearing Boston gear today, and I ain't gonna crash on you when you wear your gear. But listen, in America, we love sports. Men love sports. When, when, some women even love sports. Listen, how much do we love God? Do you know more about your family's birthdays than you know about the uh, information inside the Bible? 
Do you know more about your team statistics than you know about? Listen, everybody worships something. Sports, a sports hero, celebrities, possessions, success, pleasure, politics, uh, or yourself. But everybody worships something. Listen, I'm, the easy way to figure it out so we can get out of here, time, passion, and money. Time, whatever gets your time, whatever gets your passion, and whatever gets your money. Do you get more excited? Oh, man, no grandmother's ever coming back after this. Some of y'all ain't old enough to be grandmother, uh, Nancy, smiling. Some, 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 some of y'all not old enough to even be, even mom. Do you get more excited about your lunch date with your children or your grandchildren than you do about coming to the house of the Lord? So quiet you could hear a roach fart. <laughs> Time, passion, and money tell the truth about the situation. God has commanded us to worship him. And our proper response should be to, to love him. Because I want you to understand that nobody ever loved you the way God does. I don't know if you get that, but I get that. I was the black sheep of my family. I was a throwaway child. I, I, I was the afterthought. I, I was uh, raised without a father. I was raised in a in a dysfunctional home. I was raised um, w without a lot of love in my life. Um, I had never had, when, when God saved me on July 15, 1981, I knew instantly nobody's ever loved me like this. And I don't know if you get it, but I hope you'll, you'll, you'll understand it. Nobody loves you the way God does. Nobody, no, mamas, you should love your babies. I heard a preacher say one time, he was, he was bashing his church. He was saying, man, I got, I got this one deacon. He said, he's so mean. He said, I promise you this, Pastor Scott. Nobody loves that man but Jesus and his mama. I'm like, wow, that's, that's tough. Because the mama's supposed to, supposed to love you. And, 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 and the Bible says even when mama and daddy forsake you, God will be there for you. But I want you to understand, God loves you, and you ought to want to worship him. Second thing I want us to understand about worship, true worship is only for Christians. True worship is only for Christians. You can have, if you have great music and great musicianship, I know a church on this side of town, right around the corner, they pay their bass player $800 for four songs on Sunday morning, maybe five songs, $800 a week. And I asked the pastor there, why do you pay him? Because he's a bad man. That's the whole response I got. Thinking, I'm with a lot of bad people. Come over to 103rd Street. I'll find your whole crowd. You, you, you ain't going to pay them $800. Why are churches paying their musicians? Because they know if you, if you can have the right musicians and the right singers in your church, a crowd will come. And people have confused uh, ability with anointing. I've had people say, oh, I went to a concert at so-and-so's church. It was so anointed, I had the hair on the back of my neck standing up. I'm like, you can, go to, you can go to a Celine Dion concert and get that. I mean, you, 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 can, you, can, go, you can go to whoever you want to go to. I started to say R. Kelly, but R. Kelly's in the, in the jam right now in jail, heading there. So, uh, But you, 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 you can hear great singing and have the hair stand. Ability and anointing are two different things. And stop confusing the two. Uh, you, people, lost people can buck and shout and run and holler and jump and, and act excited. Je Je Jesus said, if you want praise, then the rocks can cry out 
in praise to God. Trees can clap their hands in praise to God. But only the heart of a real Christian can worship God. The angels are so curious about our relationship to God and the way he loves us and the way we love him and the salvation that he's given to us. The Bible says they are curious to inquire about it. The love that God has for us is so overwhelming, and the love we should have for him is so overwhelming. Real worship can only be done by Christians. Proverbs 15, 8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. i got to hurry up, but man, I want to lay, lay on some of these verses for a little while. Lost people think, well, God ought to feel glad. I can't. Well, what's the Bible say? The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination unto God. God don't need your money. Why you keep taking offering? So saved people can do what God told them to do. The Bible says that you, you should be a cheerful giver and that you shouldn't give grudgingly or of necessity. God is not looking for wicked people to worship him. God's looking to save wicked people and turn them into righteous people. Proverbs 21, 27 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with a wicked mind? Matthew 28, 16 says, Hear this good. The 11 disciples went away to Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Verse 17 says, And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's still happening today in churches all around the world. God says when we gather in his name, he's here with us. And some people worship him, but other people doubt him. I've been praying every week for the last 20 plus years that when we gather together here that God would show up in a big way and I'm going to just be real with you sometimes he does sometimes he doesn't in my mind he shows up the same way every week some people recognize him and others don't he said if you search for him you will find him I promise you this and I'm going to wrap this up. If you don't know by now, you, you need to understand. I, I'm not here to preach for popularity. I'm not here to preach for the praise of men. We haven't gathered here today to hear a good sermon. We haven't gathered here today to exercise our spiritual gifts, to feel personally empowered. We haven't gathered here today to seek signs and wonders to entertain or be entertained. We have gathered here today, whether you did it or not, we have gathered here today to exalt and to worship the Most High God, the one true and living God, Jehovah, King of all the earth. That's what it is about. Well, I just like a church that sings different kind of music. Well, I just like a church with better parking. Well, I just like a church where the sermons don't last so long. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just. Where is God in your I just? God is first. Everything else is nothing. We, we've misconstrued when God said, I am the Lord. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We misconstrued misconstrue that to think, well, as long as God's first, he don't mind about my hobbies. He don't mind as long as I keep God first. It doesn't say that God is first followed by a close second. He said when he said to have no other gods before me, that literally meant anywhere around me. There is no second when God is first. God's the whole list. Everything else is insignificant. The love that you have for your family compared to the love that you have for God should look smaller. Well, I just believe I ought to love mine as much as I love anything. You don't understand how great God is. He's God alone. 
And we need to learn how to worship him in the right way. Worship's a spiritual thing. It can only be done by Christians. It's a spiritual thing. I'm going to give you these three words you've heard before, and I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to give you three words for worship. Because I want you to have an idea of what worship is, and I want you to see if you're willing to do it. One Old Testament word, two New Testament words. Old Testament, uh, the primary word, Hebrew word for worship in the Old Testament is shakah. And it means to bow down. Man, we used to sing that song. I love that song. I sing it to God all the time. Bow down and worship him. Oh, enter in. You want to enter into God's presence? You can buck and shout and clap on the offbeat and do everything else you want to do. But it's when you bow down that you really begin to worship him. The Greeks were a picturesque, the Greek language is a picturesque language. And they had two words for worship. The first one was proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it means to bow down. See, this word bow is still in there. Carried over from the Hebrew. But it doesn't just mean to bow, but it means to bow down and kiss. And that was, this, that was the abbreviated definition. The picture was, and you can look this up. I'm not making this up. The Greek concept for worship is proskuneo. And the image that they set forth was a dog laying at his master's feet, licking his hand. I had a dog years ago when Gail was alive. It was Beagle, the best dog I ever had. And if I got up, and I'd do it just to check, make sure he was still worshiping me. The Greeks will tell you nothing will worship you like a dog. I would get up and I would move off the couch because he, he would lay at, at the couch. I'd dangle my hand down every now and then. He'd, he'd nose my hand, lick my hand. I'd get up and move to the chair. He'd get up and move over to the chair. Some of y'all have dogs. Cats, cats don't worship nothing. Well, my cat's just like a dog. Well, then you understand. The picture of a dog laying at his master's feet, licking his master's hand is so perfect for what worship is because that dog knows if I'm going to get any affection at all, I'm going to get it from this one person. If I'm going to get fed, I'm going to get it from this one person. If I'm going to get anything good, everything good in my life comes from the hand of this one person. That's the way the dog looks at his owner or her owner. And that's what the Greeks decided was the perfect picture of worship. Just laying at God's feet all the time with a perfect realization that says anything good in my life comes from one source. And I just want to be close. I just want to be close. So, some of y'all some of y'all got dogs. They, they lay up in your bed and sleep. Um, lay at the floor next to you. That's a picture of what worship looks like. How close do you want to be to God? If he gets up and walks in the room, but your show's still on, do you say, right with you? And you just stay focused. No. The dog mind don't think like that. When the master's moving, the dog's following. And we need to get to the place where we understand real worship is to bow down and to kiss the master's hand because everything good comes from one source. The second word for love in the Greek language in the New Testament is latruo. Latruo. Oh, we need more of all this. Latruo means to show love by serving. 
the, great, the greatest picture I ever saw of that was, and, and it was the way she was raised, and it was in her heart to do it, was, was the way Gail would treat me and anybody in our house when it came to getting a drink. We used to have, we, we were teaching Sunday school in, in a large church. I was, I was the couples minister, and uh, we would have couples over at our house, and uh, Gail would be cooking, and I'd be watching TV, and the man would be in there watching with me, and the woman would be cooking, and then the, Gail would set the table and call us to dinner, and we would come sit down, and the woman would always complain. She was like, oh, uh, you, you, you must be loving this. This is special, huh? She's going to sit you down at the table and bring you your plate? It's nice every night. And the woman would get mad. I'd be like, don't try to bring your new age dysfunctional relationship into my family. This isn't just working. This, and um, she would get up. And I don't know how some of y'all women are. But a man asked you to bring me, bring me some more drink. Like, is your legs broke? And I'd have women say, oh, my Lord, she going to get up and refill your tea without asking? She loved to do it. She, want, she didn't want anybody else to get up and refill their tea either. No guest in our house, no, 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 no child, no nobody. She loved to show love to people she loved. And it was something she could do to show her love. How do you show your love to the people you love? And more importantly, how do you show it to God? Because it can't just be, I love him. The Bible says, let not your love be in word only, but in action. Love's an action word. We got to learn how to worship God right. Because the last thing, and I'm done, proud people can't worship God. Proud people can't worship God because proud people want it their way. And God will not let you have it your way. One of the reasons why the United States Army, first thing they do, every, every branch does, first thing they do, you join, they shave your head, they take your clothes away from you, even your underwear, and they give you all their stuff because it ain't your world anymore. You're not going to style your hair. You're not an individual anymore. You're part of something bigger. All those bald heads, Make everybody look almost the same. People want things their way. Drill Sergeant Robinson used to tell us all the time, this ain't Burger King. You ain't going to have it your way. The kingdom of God is not Burger King. People that want it their way can't worship God. God told us how to worship him, and we have to worship him his way. God wants us to worship him. I told you everybody worships something. So as we get ready to leave here, I want you to figure out right now, what is it that you worship? It's not hard to figure out. What do you give your time to, your talent, your treasure to? What do you give your passion to? I told you, only Christians can worship God. If you're here and you're not saved, you ought to get saved. You don't have to walk an aisle, pray a prayer with me to get saved. You just got to search for God with all your heart. The Bible says if you'll call on Him in sincerity, He'll save you. You need to do that. I told you proud people can't worship God. Are you willing to worship God God's way? I went to the largest church growth conference in the world. 
Rick Warren Purpose Driven Church, Saddleback Church in California. The first year we started this church, I walked away from there disgusted. The number one thing, he had a list. He boiled it down. The, the, the list of how to grow your church. Tops on the list, never have church for more than 59 minutes. People are busy and they've got lives to get to. Hollywood don't even abide by that. I mean, you got people set through that movie Titanic. I don't know how you did that. Things like five hours on television, three and a half at the movie theater, something crazy like that. Never have church for more than 59 minutes because people's lives are busy. I want to slap the microphone out of his hand. He said, never preach on anything that makes someone feel conviction. Because life's hard enough and people get beat up all week long. They need to come to church and feel good. I hope coming to church makes you feel good. Because you get to experience God in the corporate atmosphere of his people. But we're not here so we can feel good. We're not here so we can be entertained. We're not here so we can be the priority. It's not about us. It's about God. That message doesn't go well in American culture today. Congratulating people's failure goes well today. Everybody getting a trophy goes well today. Telling everybody God's proud of them no matter what they offer goes well today. I wonder if you're willing to worship the Lord. Here's what I want you to think this week, today, tonight, the rest of your life. Is God more important than you? Is God more important than you are? If he is, act like it. If God, if you, if you can frame your mouth to say that God is more important than you are, start living that way. And watch life open up to a whole new level. Where he truly gives you all these things, all these things you quote, all these things you say as cliches, all these churchisms, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Start, start, start worshiping God the way the Bible says you should. And, 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 and the arrows of the enemy will become laughable to you. The Bible says he'll give you peace that passes all human understanding. Start worshiping God the way you should and your mind won't be stretched and strayed and anxious. Start living what you say you believe and lifting up high the one you say you believe in. Jesus said, if I'll be exalted, I'll draw all people to myself. Let's start exalting him more. Not just in this room, but everywhere we go. Let's exalt him more in our homes. Let's exalt him more in our cars. Let's exalt him more on our jobs, in our school places, in our marketplaces. Let's live a life that matches what we say we believe. Because if I ask you, do you love God more than you love yourself? Most people would say yes. But the proof's in the pudding. God didn't just talk about loving us. He showed it. He died for us. He gave his everything, his one and only begotten son for us. He became that son. 
to take on human form, to be the physical, visible image of the invisible God. And he showed love. He said, greater love has no one in this than they lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for us. He said he could have called us servants, but he calls us friends. Are you laying down your life for him? Please don't let your mantra be, I love him so much I would die for him. That's too easy. He said you got to be a living sacrifice. That's staying alive on the altar constantly. Living for him is a much more greater show of your love than just dying. Jesus lived, suffered, bled, and died for us. What price are you willing to pay to show your love to God? People think the price is too high and the commitment is too, too, too large. Well, it don't take all that. God gave all that. Will you worship him? You don't have to be in church to worship him. You ought to worship him everywhere you go. You need to start singing songs to God. You, know, you need to start letting your mouth say all the time, I love you, Lord. It is, so, it is so overdone, the amount that people that don't love God talk about God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's disrespectful. And if you can say, oh, God, and oh, my God, why don't you just start saying out of your mouth, constantly all day every day let your ears hear you say I love you Lord let your ears hear that let that be your life your love for God on full display more than sports more than money more than people your love for God he alone is worthy of all our worship we need to give him more he gave us his best. Don't offer God something that costs you nothing. Pray with me. God, thank you for showing your love to us. Thank you for giving your son to us. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for giving us your great book. And God, I pray that you'd forgive us for our selfishness, for our worship of other things. And God, I pray that you'd create an urgency in us to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to exalt you, because you deserve more exaltation than we've given you. More love, more worship than we've given you. God, I pray you'd forgive us. And I pray that you'd light a fire in our heart. To not only put you in first place, but to let you be all in all. Let you be everything. Because that's what you are. You're higher. You're greater. You're more excellent than everything else. And I pray that you would consume our lives and our worship. Let our lives be consumed with the love that we have for you and the understanding of the love that you have for us. You have done it perfectly, God. And I ask you to help us do it sincerely. God, I thank you that you know the hearts of all people. For every person in here who truly loves you, God, I, I pray right now you would give them an overwhelming sense 
that they would understand that you know that they love you. God, for every person in this room who's not yet saved, I pray that you would pour your love out on them and let them understand that there is no God like Jehovah. Help us, God, to love you and to love each other the way you've commanded us to. And we recognize and we agree today that you're worthy of all worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.